now, it's time for the biggest bonanza in podcasting. With Dominic Stern and Nicholas Hodell, this is the College Basketball Bonanza. Welcome into this week's edition of the College of Basketball Bonanza. We are back here on Blaze after a week off, thanks to some of the thankful uh, Gus GJs that were on this past weekend. But back, but back to regular programming, if I can get everything correctly working, and I have. I'm Nicholas Hodell, Dominic Sturz alongside me, and Dom, this show just means a little bit more, doesn't it? Yes, it does. SEC, listening to the... Uh... The intro gets me fired up every time I talk about some college basketball. You were talking about it before the show. You're like, oh, man, I just can't wait for college basketball season to get started. And I'm like, yeah, no kidding, Nick. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I share that same sentiment. I think we're we're less than a month now, right? We are month. less than a month. So I, I can't wait for some college basketball. I can't wait to see our Sun Devils get back in action. I can't wait to see my Aztecs get back in action. So, uh, And I just can't wait, you know. We're talking about the SEC here, so we should get right into it. Yes, we should. And, of course, the top story of the SEC, perhaps, is is Kentucky going to get back to normal Kentucky things? Uh, last year pretty much ravaged the entirety of pretty much every single Blue Blood. Uh, and Kentucky was no exception to that. Um, not a good time for them whatsoever. Just five wins. And they're just looking to get any sort of momentum uh, back uh, that they can find really at all. Uh, and so this year they have put together uh, a pretty solid squad and they had their uh, Big Blue Madness uh, this past Friday. I uh, was watching a little bit earlier today, watching some of the three-point contest stuff in the Blue-White game, which I didn't really learn anything from that Blue-White game at all. It's just a mad major showcase for dunks and threes, pretty much. Right. Uh, but this Kentucky roster has a lot of very intriguing pieces, uh, freshman-wise and transfer-wise. Yeah, we'll start with the freshmen. Two big freshmen coming in are Ty Ty Washington, six foot three guard. He's going to be a stud for them. And then also six foot nine forward, Damian Collins. Those are the two new guys, you know, when we think about Kentucky basketball, especially as of late, we think a lot about these high-profile freshmen that come in, and it's mostly just that. This year's team, however, is not really that, and it's they've got some experience there. Uh, they're returning two, you know, key players for them last year. Keon Brooks, six foot seven, small forward for them. He averaged 10 points per game and seven rebounds per game. And also Davion Mintz, redshirt senior guard. He averaged 11.5 points per game last year. So those are the returners. They also have brought in some really talented transfers from Power 5 schools that were good players for some pretty solid teams. You know, Georgia, they weren't a solid team, but Severe Wheeler, he's going to be a sophomore this year. Uh, at, for the Bulldogs, he averaged 14 points per game, 4 rebounds per game, and 7.5 and assists per game. That, that really stands out. He's a small point guard, but he's not going to be asked to, to score a ton, I don't think, for this team because a lot much... A lot more talent surrounding him, comparing Kentucky to Georgia. But Wheeler, he can do it all. He's a great talent. Kellen Grady, one of the best scorers from the A-10, transferred over from Davidson. He averaged 17 points per game, along with four and a half rebounds there. Uh, six foot five guard, obviously, uh, big talent difference between the SEC and the A-10. But Kentucky, they're going to be good, and uh, maybe their prize transfer is Oscar Shibway, one of the best players. At West Virginia over the last couple of years. Transferred midway through the season. Uh, he hadn't been off to a great start. Part of their weird team last year. He averaged 8.5 points per game and 8 rebounds per game there. 
but the talent is there without question. Also, C.J. Frederick was a nice defensive player for Iowa. He's going to come in. He also is bringing 7.5 points per game to the table. Yeah, and just watching uh, Ty Ty Washington's film earlier today, the, the freshman guard coming in, the Arizona product, fantastic player. They're getting a lot of fantastic ability out of him, made it to the final of their uh, the Big Blue Madness three-point contest, and up losing to C.J. Frederick uh, in that. So that is going to be very interesting as well. Uh, Davion Mintz, the redshirt senior, 11.5 per game for Kentucky last year. The first Kentucky player to return to the team after leading the team in scoring the, the previous year. Last player for Kentucky to do that was Randolph Morris. Back in 2006-2007. Yeah, I was going to say. I don't 15 really, years ago. I don't know who that is, and I don't feel bad now that you said 2006-2007, but that just shows the Kentucky philosophy. You know what? You can't really argue with the results because uh, Coach Calipari, he's won. Last year was definitely an exception to that, but they bring in these young freshmen, and they win, but uh, seeing Davion Mitz come back, they're going to be a good team. Yeah, it really is going to be uh, something else. It's very different from previous Kentucky teams that's relied on bringing in loads and loads of four- and five-star recruits as freshmen, bringing them in and molding them together as a team. I think Calipari has really gotten with the times, the modern era times of college basketball, and that really is, is simply this. you got to build from the portal and build from what you have. Because if you're not building with the portal, it's almost like you're falling behind an extra step nowadays. Uh, so it is really relieving to see Kentucky now start to take that in. And Calipari uh, had said something also during uh, Big Blue Madness uh, during his stay in the program address, which we have mentioned earlier is usually a 15 minutes of complete fluff. But he did say this 20-second bit that was very interesting, implying some of the NIL changes, some of the different changes going on in college sports. The ground is shifting beneath our feet, and we have to be nimble and flexible. But the vision of this program has not changed. Putting players first, helping them reach their dreams, remains the mission. When they succeed, we all succeed. When they succeed, we all succeed. I think that's a pretty pretty big line right there uh, from Coach John Calipari, recognizing that when the players are succeeding, chances are this program's going in the right direction as well. And he and he never mentioned NIL directly, uh, but this was really an implied aspect of the of that speech. Probably the only non-fluff thing that you're going to hear uh, out of that entire state of the program speech. And it really just goes to show that. He recognizes things are changing in college sports. He also recognizes it's changed with his roster building as well. Yeah, you know, we're going to be in a new era of college basketball with the NIL. And the way that Kentucky has recruited players and said, hey, you know what, you're going to come here, and if your aspiration is to play in the NBA in a year, that's fine. You don't have to come here for school. Kentucky it's not the greatest academic school in the world, especially when you compare it to some of these other really good basketball schools, such as Duke. North Carolina, some of the schools up in the Big Ten. It's not the greatest. So he's going to say, all right, you know what? Hey, you're not here. You're not here to play school, as Ben Simmons said. You're here to come here and get better as a basketball player and, you know, play in college for a year. And for them to come to Kentucky, he's basically saying, all right, you know, come here. You're going to have these opportunities to play in front of Big Blue Nation and become a better basketball player and make some money now, too, with the NIL. And I think he's doing a great job. Uh, you talked about it. Uh, Cal Perry, he's changing with the times. 
I would say they're they're the Adapticats. The Adapticats. The I I just came off that a couple of minutes ago. While I was thinking about it, but Calipari is adapted, and I think this team is going to be very good. I'm not sure they're going to be the best team in the SEC. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, I think Kentucky is going to be right up there. They're going to make the NCAA tournament, and they're definitely a team that can go far come March. Yeah, and that Calipari Club courtesy of KSR Digital on YouTube, they had some really good coverage on the entire Big Blue Madness, including mentioning the program address. 11 minutes of fluff, except that 20-second clip we played you, which I thought was uh, very meaningful given the times we're currently in with college sports just in general. Uh, but obviously the intrigue is not just with Kentucky. A couple of programs looking to bring, bring in some major responses after some breakout years, that being Alabama and Arkansas. Let's talk about Alabama first. Um, Nate Oates has this program going in the absolute right direction. Um, and he's got guys like Trevon Quinterly, Jerron Gouet, uh, Jaden Shackleford in particular, uh, that are coming back, going to bring in some good stuff, but also a couple of great freshman newcomers in the fold and a solid trust out of out of Furman. Yeah, so those two freshmen you're referring to are J.D. Davison, 6'3 freshman guard, and 7'0 forward, he's really a center, Charles Bidiaco. I haven't really had to say that name too much yet, but we'll get used to saying that. It'll come to you. Well, yeah, we'll get used to saying that because we're going to see him playing a lot for this Alabama team. They're going to be very good. You know, this team, they ran with very fast tempo. You know, they really punished you running fast, uh, running up and getting in the fast breaks, uh, shooting a lot of threes, getting to the hoop. Nate Oates, he's an analytically, analytically driven coach. You know what that means? He wants to shoot threes or shoot layups. So either give us the higher probability or give us a shot that gives us an extra point because those mid-range shots, they aren't that much easier than a three-point shot to the point where you might as well just shoot a three-point shot if you're going to take a shot. So not a lot of jump shots, basically, is the translation here for Alabama. Great defensively last year. They were one of the best defenses in the nation. Were they number one? I don't think they were, but they were definitely up there. Uh, they were number they're number three in adjusted defense, so that was the best in the SEC, which was a very good defensive conference. Because I'll just give you these numbers right now: Tennessee was defensive adjusted number five, and Arkansas was number ten. So you had three top ten defenses and one conference. That's pretty good, Nick. So yeah, very good for the fact that Alabama was the best according to Ken Palm last year. Which Ken Palm they dropped uh, their new. 22 2022 rankings so that is cool but alabama they're uh, they're not projected to have the same great defense this year but i think that as the season goes on the way that they play their defense is going to be very stout and i think that you're seeing with a couple of key returners Jaden shackleford and javon quinterly they're going to be leading that yeah and, and jd davison one of the freshmen had a chance to watch his film earlier today and this guy whoever created his highlight tape he deserves a raise because just highlight after highlight after highlight. Just unbelievable stuff from J.D. Davidson. Uh, here's what Nate Oates had to, had to say on him to the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook. He's a better passer uh, than even some other, other people think. Um, and he doesn't have to take bad shots because he's got other weapons to pass to now, which is really going to help him out. Uh, and his assistant turnover ratio in the summer translated to be amongst the conference best. That's a very solid thought there for the freshman. He also said that the speed and explosiveness is there. He's going to be good with space in the offense, but he can improve on defending. Uh, so there's that for J.D. Davidson. So already someone that can really take an offense and just give it all kinds of fantastic stuff. 
uh, there as well uh, for the freshman. Uh, Noah Gurley's the Furman chance that coming in uh, to Alabama this year. Oates said they just simply could not guard him uh, in the matchup against Furman last year. Uh, in that matchup on December 15th, Noah Gurley, uh, 15 points. A lot of that believe is done in the first half. Uh, of this game was not the leader compared to guys like Clay Mounts and Mike Bothwell, but very close game. That Furman had a 10-point lead at halftime uh, in that game, if you if you remember. Um, so I'm so Alabama is fantastically thrilled uh, to get him, and that's kind of the way the portal some, sometimes works, you know. And it's especially these power conference opponents, you see some really good bit major talent in your non-conference schedule. You see a guy that you just couldn't get a handle on. The portal may just give him to you. Yeah, you're saying Alabama was thrilled that he went there. I was not because it was between Alabama and San Diego State for the two schools he was going to go to. But like you said, that's the way the portal works. Sometimes you're going to get the guys you want. They didn't get Matt Bradley. San Diego State did. We'll talk about that in a future episode. So we don't need to go down that route. But yeah, Noah Gurley, 15.5 points per game, 6 rebounds per game. It is at Furman and the SoCon. But you know what? That's talent. He's not going to have a starting role. At least that's what we project. He's not going to have a starting role and the way that this Alabama team thrives, the way that they run that fast tempo is by having a lot of depth. And you're going to see that guys like Gurley and Keon Ellis, uh, he's going to be a senior for Alabama, and also transferring to Mari Burnett from Texas Tech, also incoming freshman, just Suan Holtz. They're going to need these guys to step up because they're going to be playing a lot because when you're running fast on offense, like every single play, you're going to be tired, and you're going to see extended minutes from the bench so guys like Gurley and Ellis and Burnett and Holt, like I just mentioned, they're going to need to play very valuable minutes in order for Alabama to be successful. You know what? They're going to. Yeah, that, that's going to be a, a very fascinating team. They are also projected right up the top of this conference, according to many of the pundits and the analytics, which we'll get to later on in this program. The other major program with a major breakout last year, Arkansas, all aboard the must bus. Uh, really has become the way at the Arkansas Razorbacks now. Uh, and again, certainly pretty much every other team, they got a, a lot of transfers um, coming into this team, but the returning pieces, they are still very, very solid with this team. Yeah, and uh, this is the importer school, uh, Arkansas, the must bus. So they're going to bring in some transfers. Some of those guys have stayed. Uh, not all these guys were necessarily recruited out of high school by Coach Musselman. That's because he's only been there for a couple of years. Uh, leaving Nevada, hard to blame him for trying to get out of uh, the way of San Diego State. It just keeps coming up in this episode, uh, my Aztecs. But Musselman, he's done a great job at Nevada. Now he's doing a great job here at Arkansas, including that Elite Eight appearance last year. This team's going to be good. Some of their key returners for them, uh, Devontae Davis, he averaged eight points per game last year. And J.D. Note, he averaged 13 points per game last year. So those are their key returners, but some guys that they've brought in, like I said, Eric Musselman, the importer. Chris Likes, five foot seven point guard from the U, uh, from Miami, the Hurricanes. He averaged 15.5 points per game, four rebounds per game, and five and a half assists per game. So he's a true point guard. He's going to be playing with some more talent this year. It's been a rough go of things for Miami of late. So maybe he's not going to be required to score as much, but be more of a ball distributor. Uh, Adis Tony from Pitt, the Pitt Panthers, uh, six foot six guard senior. He averaged 14.5 points per game along with six rebounds per game. And Stanley Umede from South Dakota, redshirt senior transfer, six foot six, can play the three or the four. He's a good player, 21.5 points per game and seven rebounds per game. In the Summit League, of course, big step up from there to the SEC. But 
bringing in talented players. How are they going to mesh with some of these guys? We've seen Musselman do this in the past, bring in these talented players and mesh them all together. It's going to work out again for them. Yeah, and, and one of the things that Arkansas was able to do uh, last year was really take a step back in the isolation game. Uh, for Musselman's uh, before last year, the past couple of years for Musselman as a head coach, throwing out an assistant that was in the top 15 nationally with an isolation shots. That percentage of shots went down from 8.4% in 1920 to 4.7% last year. A major drop in the isolation usage. And Chris likes, you know, it seems like him and just like the other Miami of Florida players injured. I mean, that's just yeah. one of the things that Miami of Florida, these last few years, they just, for whatever reason, just cannot get away from the injury bug. Uh, so they'll be, be curious to see if he gets injured, though, this, that's, this could be where Arkansas will have to dip in a little bit. Um, luckily for them, uh, J.D. Note is going to be, I think, just fine and perhaps could work his way into a starting role over the course of time. Uh, and when Eric Mossman was talking to the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook, he said that he couldn't remember a player with as much growth in a short time as what Judy Note has, though he still has some work to do in the passing game and on defense. So certainly still some work to do uh, for some of these players. Uh, Musselman said about likes, he's a dynamic scorer, can get hot, can be a good defender with his quickness, so you'll, so you'll have that as well. And, and also for um, Devontae Davis, Devo Davis, he had this to say about uh, Davis. Uh, Eric Musselman said can, he can lead the team defensively and offensively, and he can be one of the best defenders in college basketball. He can also create for everyone, including himself. Uh, so you want to look, look at a player that perhaps could really get into that Start getting that conversation of being a first-team all-conference player. Devontae Davis, Devo Davis could end up being one of those guys. Yeah, and you mentioned it. Davis is the leader of this defense. Ken Palm projects Arkansas to have the second-best defense in this conference. Uh, he has them at 12th in adjusted defense at 89.4 per 100 possessions. So Arkansas, they're going to limit you on the defensive end. They're going to be a very good team this year. Uh, Woo Pig. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, and both of those programs now, they're going to have to deal with this added spotlight on them, which for 100%. these two programs, since, I mean, Alabama's turned a little dabble in it. In Is a Alabama little... a basketball school, Nick? Oh. They're asking. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I don't think the people at Tuscaloosa are going to hear that one, Dom. Well, too bad. <laughs> Too bad, uh, but it is going to be interesting now with you know both of these schools. You know they're going to deal with the, pr the the actual pressure of expectation and big expectation of that after their performances last year. Uh, so it's something these programs may not totally be used to. So that's going to be very interesting to, over the course of time uh, to see what ends up happening with both of those programs. Three other programs had first weekend exits last year and hoping for bigger and better things. Let's start off with the Tennessee Volunteers, and they got an absolute gem from the recruiting side of things, and Kennedy Chandler, someone that can really be effective, and a bunch of returners here. Yeah, Tennessee, they're projected to be the top defense, according to Ken Palm. They had one of the best defenses in the country last year. Uh, they were stout, but their offense, it struggled all last year. I think they're going to have similar problems this year. The defense is going to carry this team. I mean, there's no other way around it. Uh, they don't really have that returning scorer that's like a go-to player they are returning three players from last year's team or four players from last year's team that are going to help them uh, Santiago Viscovi he was running the point last year but like you mentioned Chandler he's probably going to be running that this year because he's a stud uh, Josiah Jordan James he averaged eight points per game last year six foot six forward 
Uh, John Fulkerson, he's their redshirt senior. He's their guy. He averaged nine and a half points per game last year in a down year for sure. And also Victor Bailey, he averaged 11 points per game last year. So Tennessee, they're returning those guys, but they lost a couple of key players. Hugh Spons, Jaden Springer, and Keon Johnson. Yeah, and a lot of the struggles that Tennessee may have had over the course of time last year really came within their offensive side of things. Um, and some of these games, uh, you know, at Florida, you know, 0.7 points per possession. You know, at Ole Miss, they scored only 50, uh, 0.78 points per possession. The two postseason games they played, Alabama, Oregon State, SEC turn, NCAA turn, respectively, <laughs> Less than 0.9 points per game. So they're going to have to really work on that and keep keeping that consistently when things get going. Uh, and Kennedy Chandler, um, when ESPN recruiting analyst uh, Paul Vincardi joined the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast, he said that Tennessee got the best point guard in the game, quote-unquote. Uh, and, and three-man weave from, compared to him and his on-ball presence to perhaps DJ Augustine uh, for, for Rick Barnes as a coach uh, back in 08 for, for Texas. Uh, so you can, so there's a load of talent there within Kennedy Chandler. Uh, his film looks really solid as well. Uh, so someone that is really going to be a, a very good contributor to this team. He's going to be battling for newcomer of the year in my estimation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's one of the the best incoming players in this entire conference, and he's going to be someone that Tennessee's going to have to really rely on to be very very productive. And Rick Barnes had this to say on Josiah Jordan James. Uh, when he spoke with the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook folks, he said, quote, as versatile as any player we've had since we've been here, end quote, and another quote here, you can move him around and do different things with him, end quote. So, you know, 6'6 Junior, I mean, look for him to be in a bunch of different spots. And I'll be curious to see where uh, Victor Bailey ends up as far as minutes go. Uh, so it looks like with Kennedy Chandler joining his team, he may be that sixth man that comes in off the bench and, that's a pretty solid six-man, if I had to say. Oh, absolutely. Tennessee, they're going to have the depth. They're going to be a good team this year. It's just whether or not the offense can step up when they're needed. That's my one concern here. Yeah, let's move on now to LSU, another team exiting the NCAA tournament uh, in the first weekend. Uh, a couple of critical transfers here at the guard positions. Uh, freshman seven-footer Efton Reed coming in to this team and a couple of other players as well that will give them some size at return from last year's team. Yeah, and this team, they are the opposite philosophy of Tennessee. It's just Will Wade, I don't care about defense. And that makes for more fun basketball, but not as high quality. You mentioned it, Xavier Pinson and Adam Miller. Those are going to be the two big transfers, and those will be their two guards. Other than that, they're going to run some big basketball. Milwaukee Wilkerson, he didn't play that much last year, six foot five forward. Uh, as a freshman, he averaged three and a half points per game and three rebounds per game. He's going to see some extended minutes, so expect the points and the rebounds to go up there. Darius Days, he was kind of like their fourth guy on that team last year. He averaged 11 and a half points per game and eight rebounds per game. And then incoming freshman, seven foot center, Efton Reed. He's going to be a very talented player for them. But they lost their three best players. How are they able to overcome the loss of Javante Smart, Cam Thomas, and Trenton Wofford? And can they play better defense when they need a stop? Yeah, and this LSU team, um, the isolation experience and the pick-and-roll experience that they had is no longer going to be there. Um, just looking at what they were able to bring via the isolation uh, with Trenton Wofford, Javante Smart, Cameron Thomas, gone, gone, gone. Uh, 
and the one really notable one here, Eric Gaines, 11 possessions, one point. Uh, so, so that, so you, you have to really get some experience there in the, in the isolation. Pick and roll is the exact <coughs> same thing. Cameron Thomas, Jordan Wofford, Javante Smart, all averaging over a point per possession within that scheme. Gone, gone, gone. Eric Gaines, 30 possessions, 12 points. Uh, so that's going to be an issue for this team, sort of finding the guys that are going to be able to really get those different points in those situations. Uh, and the rough of construction, you know, it does lead a little bit more uh, towards the offense. Uh, but, but this is a team that really is not heading towards anything special in my estimation, you know. Maybe get into the NCAA tournament, but what you do from there, you know, it's probably just end up being a first-round exit. This is kind of the way that team is sort of trending. Uh, though Xavier Pinson and Adam Miller, those two transfer guards, I think they'll, they'll be pretty solid in the SEC. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, especially Pinson coming from Missouri. Yeah, he's experienced there, a veteran player for that team in Missouri, so he knows what it's like. They made it to the NCAA tournament, also had first-round exit, so he's going to be in the same alignment of, you know, trying to bounce back and make it to the second weekend. Yeah, and I think that's what this LSU team is trying to aspire for. Uh, but I, I can't see it uh, for for this LSU team. It's, it's, I think they're going to find some 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 games very challenging for them uh, in the SEC against the top schools. And, of course, they got to avoid all the pitfalls that come with some of the bottom teams in the conference. And who knows what could happen on any literally every given, any given night uh, within any of these power conferences. Uh, for that man, probably with the exception of the the Big East, uh, but their mid pack is just unbelievable. As we talked about, um, I think it was last week. You can find that episode on your favorite podcast platform. There you go. There we go. Florida, one of the other schools that exited in the first weekend last year. Uh, when they got guys like Tyree Appleby and Colin Caston, they're good at the experience, but it's just a lot more than that when it comes to the experience side of this team. Yeah, because they have transferred senior Myron Jones from Penn State. You know, it's not very often that you get a starter that was very talented to transfer over. You know, we've seen teams like Texas and Kansas where the guys that stole those guys, but Myron Jones coming over to play for Florida, I think he's going to be an impact player for them. Average 15 points per game over at Penn State last year, team that struggled, but he didn't. So to go along with Castleton, their center at six foot eleven, he averaged twelve and a half points per game. And Tyree Appleby, who averaged eleven points per game, along with three rebounds and three assists per game at the point guard, they're gonna be a good team. I mean they were just really a bad second half against Oral Roberts away from going on to the second weekend, but uh they couldn't overcome that. Mike White, he's got it. Another job to get back to the second weekend like a couple of years ago. Yeah, and, and th what Florida did last year uh, was that they decided to really get the transition game more involved than they had previously. Uh, an over 5% jump in their percentage of shots in transition. And by the way, 5% in this case is a jump of nearly of just over 200 spots in the national rank. So 5% is a big, big deal when it comes to that. And they never really lost too much production either. They just kept actually increasing their transition points per possession. So that ended up really working for them. And part of that was Colin Castleton, what he was able to do. Uh, he is someone that really projects out to be a first-team all-conference player uh, in that spot. So he's really going to be someone that every team in the conference, I think, is really going to be gunning for uh, when it comes time to really get after this Florida team. Uh, some of the transfers of Myron Jones and Penn State, you mentioned Brandon Mastisic coming in from Kansas City. He'll be a little bit of a learning curve uh, jumping into the SEC, but his production was fine with Kansas City, just over 17 points per game. 
in that area. And just over three rebounds and three assists per game as well. So he will be in a very solid spot. Uh, Thriandrus Fleming from Charleston Southern is going to be a player that will probably get some minutes off the bench as well. Over averaging over 20 points per game for Charleston Southern with just under seven and a half rebounds per game. I mean, we won't see those kind of numbers from him and this Florida team, but he will certainly provide some solid minutes for this team. Yeah, uh, Flanders. Uh, it's a mouthful, but he's a great player. So uh, 20 points per game, like you mentioned, also seven and a half rebounds per game at, at the guard. So he knows how to get to the basketball and put it in the hoop. Yeah, and that's, that is so valuable. Uh, when, 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 you get to, when you get to play some of these teams, that's going to end up being very, very valuable. And, of course, when we college, college, cover college basketball, we love having mouthfuls of names to pronounce, you know? Yeah, we, my, we, my boy Kofi. Yeah, we, we absolutely love it here. So we're going to take our midway break here on the Bonanza, but coming up, we're going to celebrate the release of the Kempom rankings by going through a deep dive of the Kempom analytics and the Bartorog analytics. We'll get you that in the business end of our program, our preseason awards, and our preseason conference top five. We'll get that to you just after this in a little under one minute. And welcome back to the College Basketball Anza here on Blaze Radio and BlazeRadioOnline.com live in the Bill Austin Radio Studio. I'm Nicholas Hodel, Dominic Stern is alongside me. And early this morning when I woke up, I woke up to a nice little surprise. You know, after the disappointment of Arizona football last night, I was looking for a nice little surprise and I got in the release of the Kim Palm Analytic Rankings. Hallelujah, thank goodness. And we mentioned some of it a little bit earlier. Uh, and the SEC getting five teams within the top 25. Tennessee, Arkansas, Kentucky, Bama, Florida in that order. And some very interesting stuff that they are all within the top 25. And it's just an offensive efficiency. Um, and Auburn also crossed the top 25. And they're the sixth best team in this conference according to the preseason. Kempom Analytics. So you have their six, seven teams uh, all within the top 30 in adjusted offensive efficiency are the highest Alabama at 13th. You mentioned also Tennessee and Arkansas, the top two adjusted defensive efficiencies heading into the season. Kentucky at 26th nationally. And then Bama and Florida are 32nd and 34th, I should say, defensively nationally. Auburn at number 40 there in that national spot. And then it starts sort of taper off a little bit as far as you get your tiers. Uh, LSU came in 43rd to start the year. Ole Miss at 57th. And Mississippi State, 65th. Texas A&M, 78th. Vanderbilt, 79th. South Carolina, 86th. Missouri, 96th. And Georgia's way down there at 159th. Woof. So, yeah, Woof is right. Who no, let the dogs out? Yeah, no kidding. Get Kinda, it. Taking up a spot that Vanderbilt used to hold within the SEC. I know. I'm surprised to see Vanderbilt there at 79th. Yeah, but, I mean, Scotty Pippen Jr. going back for yeah, Vanderbilt, too. That's going to be such a key piece of this, that Vanderbilt team. Um, and, and Bart Torvik also does some really good analytic work. And he kind of has things in very similar positions before for the teams in order. But the bottom is a lot more drastically uh, put out. Um, after you get through Tennessee, Bama, Kentucky, Auburn, Florida, Arkansas, LSU, Mississippi State's at 56, Old Miss 76, Federal 89th, Texas A&M 116th, South Carolina's 134th, Missouri is just outside the top 150, and Georgia sitting down there at 217. So more yikes mode coming in uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs and. You also sort of have this, uh, the um, percentage marks where you get into the 
you know, the 99 percent is probably your top grade or near the top of the grade. Uh, Tennessee tops it out just at around 0.8796, which I believe means around 87.96% of games you would play against like an average opponent you're probably expected to win. Georgia's way down there at 0.4102. So definitely a little less than average uh, for those Georgia Bulldogs. The interesting thing that come out from the Bart Torrick website is that they he put us the percentage chances of to win the conference. Share the title and a sole championship. Tennessee at 16.2%, the highest percentage for a sole championship. Uh, and for a share of the title, that jumps up to 29.2%. Uh, I'm not going to go through all the teams and their percentages, but just to give you the lay of the land here, four teams have a greater than 20% chance to win a share of the SEC title. Those same four teams also have a greater than 10% chance for the sole crown. Kentucky in the fifth spot, just under 20% chance for the share of the title, 9.4% chance to win it outright. So when, you, so when you hear those percentages and hear sort of the rankings from, from the analytics site, you mentioned some a little bit earlier, you wanted to mention the full gamut of things. Where is that, what's your sort of initial reaction when you see that? Well, I think that Tennessee is being a little bit overrated. I just don't trust that the offense is going to take that big of a step forward. I'm buying the defense of Tennessee. That's the Rick Barnes specialty, but I'm not buying the offense right now. And, I mean, there is a chance that this Tennessee team is really good, and if that is the case, I think it's going to be in large part because the offense takes a big step. And that's with Kennedy Chandler taking control of that offense. But, you know, I haven't seen him play at the college level yet, so I'm not ready to buy it just yet. But Tennessee's got a chance to... Really be a really good team. And, you know, Kentucky, they have some of the most experience in this conference. I mean, you also look at Arkansas. But Kentucky, they've got everything. They've got the best coach. I mean, some people argue Nate Oates. But Calipari's been there, and he's won in March with totally weird teams. So uh, uh, I'm buying Kentucky, and I'm not buying those numbers about Kentucky's chances to win the conference either. Yeah, I, I do think that as when we get into that sort of, you know, the underrated, overrated conversation, um, I do think Kentucky's getting a little bit underrated here uh, by some of the analytics, particularly with, with Torvik uh, putting the adjusted defensive efficiency, uh, the, the ranking nationally at 49th, uh, far cry from Ken Palm's 26th nationally. I do think that that's a bit of an undersell uh, for this Kentucky team. Uh, both the services have Kentucky 17th overall. Both of them have them around 12th or the 15th uh, in the offensive metric. But I just think that defensively they'll be better than 49th uh, within that particular area there. One thing I do notice is that it does seem like Ken Palm has a little bump for the power conferences as well. Uh, especially when I read off the, the rankings for some of those bottom teams in the conference. Uh, there, You, you kind of see where yeah. things take start to take that sort of dip. Uh, one of the other big differences within both these services is LSU. Uh, the, the, the ranks for LSU have been offense and defense respectively in Kempom 27th and 63rd. Turbuck's a little higher than their offense at 13th, but a lot less so than their defense, ranking 134th yeah, nationally. Seems on brand. Yeah, it, it really does. It's just sort of what they've been able it just hasn't quite worked out uh, for them there. Um... For the sake of giving, uh, all this my underrated was Kentucky. I think we both kind of said that, and I think you said for Ten Tennessee. Over Tennessee, I I think that Vanderbilt's being a little 
oversold here. I'm not quite sure if they're ready uh, to be a top 100 team defensively as the Kempom rank just barely has them at. Yeah, quite literally. At number 100. I'm not so sure if they're quite ready for that. I think Pippen's going to be an absolute stud for this Vanderbilt team. I, 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 I think they'll be fine there. Uh, and they're going to be able to win, I think, more than three conference games for sure. Uh, but top 100 defense, eh, I think that's a bit questionable uh, for this team. But again, right at that mark. So you can definitely see uh, where that is being taken uh, into concern as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is this great little surprise. I was talking to you earlier to, uh, today when we were talking about Ken Palm about last year. When the Ken Palm race came out last year, how it came out on election night. Man, that was an absolute trip, wasn't it? Yeah, that uh, looking back, times have changed a lot since then. Yeah, uh, no kidding. They were high on ASU, and uh, ASU was not high on itself. But the just it's crazy how it had to come out earlier because you know the season's starting earlier this time yeah. around. But uh, I was I was shocked to wake up this morning and uh, see the text when Kevin Palm came out. I'm like, all right, cool. How do you know when Ken Palm comes out? Do you just check this website every day looking for it? I think I have checked it for the last few days now. Okay. Uh, um, and Ken Palm tweeted, uh, Ken Convoy himself tweeted out on Twitter that at this, because Mississippi State and Georgia at the time hadn't even had the rosters on the websites yet. And it's like, at this point, yeah, just get him that guy out of here uh, or, or something like that. But yeah, it just. Well, he tweeted that on the 14th. Yeah, that was a few days ago. Uh, so I haven't checked their websites as a way to see if they actually had them up, but. The fact that you're a few weeks out from the year, you haven't even put the rosters up. Oh, boy. Ouchie, ouchie, ouchie. Did you know that the UC San Diego trains play Southern Mississippi in Missoula, Montana on November 25th? What? Because now you know. Oh, my gosh. There's your random fact of the week, everybody. Brought to you by the good old Dominic Sturm well, right there. The fact was courtesy of Ken Pomeroy. There you go. We love to see it. Absolutely love to see it there. Let's move on down to our Shining Diamonds. Now we're in the business end of our preview here tonight. And our Shining Diamonds, our, our awards, uh, preseason awards, our Player of the Year, Newcomer of the Year, Coach of the Year, and the Surprise Player of the Year. Let's get the Player of the Year knocked out right away here. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Jaden Shackelford from Alabama. Uh, I think the popular pick here from Bama is Javon Quinterly, but Shackelford was the better player last year. And I think that they're going to need that three-point shooting from the outside. Shackelford was one of their best players in that aspect last year. I'm expecting another big year out of him. And if Alabama's going to be anywhere near where they were last year, which was a consistent top-ten team and a team that made the Sweet 16 for the first time in a long time for Alabama, uh, they're going to need Shackelford to be big. It almost could, too, yeah, it, it almost could be a battle of which of those two Alabama guards does does the most, really. Because uh, both Quinterly and Shackleford, uh, three-man lead went with uh, Javon Quinterly. Uh, that's going to be where, where I go there as well. But I wouldn't be too shocked if uh, Colin Castleton, you know, if Florida has a really better year than some people expect. I would not be shocked if Colin Castleton was the main reason yeah. why he ended up getting the honors as well. Or if you want to talk about a team doing better than people expect, we just mentioned his name, Scotty Pippen Jr. Yes. If uh, Vanderbilt gets up near that mid-range in the SEC, you know, competing or somewhat getting close to a tournament spot, you could really be talking about Pippen being the SEC Player of the Year. Yeah, and that would not be a, a terrible shout as well. He's he's gonna try and improve on a year where he scored nearly 21 points per game right. and had just under five assists per game 
last year as well. So that's going to be a very critical part um, to that team. Uh, they brought in Rodney Chapman from Dayton as well, who will provide some experience in the backcourt as well. But Pippen's the guy over there uh, that will be really up there for that award. Probably will not get it, but he'll definitely be in the conversation. Should be an all-first-team SEC player um, without a shadow of a doubt there. Let's move on to our newcomer of the year. So I'm going to go with Kellen Grady from Kentucky, transfer over from Davidson. It was very impressive there. 17 points per game, 4.5 rebounds per game. He's probably not going to put up those kind of numbers, but he's definitely going to be an impressive player for this Kentucky team that everyone's expecting to definitely bounce back and make the tournament. Yeah, I'm with Kennedy Chandler, uh, the Tennessee freshman. I just think he's ready for the moment. Uh, this is a player that he brought in a lot of attention when he was brought in. And we mentioned the comparison that three-man we've made uh, in his on-ball presence, talking about comparing Chandler to DJ Augustine of when Rick Barnes was back in Texas way back in the day, pretty much. A day-one point guard that's getting one of the best point guards in the entire SEC. And I think he will absolutely be... Uh, one of the best newcomers, if not be the best newcomer in this conference, uh, like I am projecting there for Mr. Kennedy Chandler. The surprise player of the year for you, Don. My surprise player of the year is going to be Chris Likes, uh, point guard for Arkansas. I think coming off of an injury, uh, not a lot of people are having that high of expectations for him. It's going to be small, but I, I think that he's going to be surprised. For Arkansas, not going to put up the points he needed to at Miami, especially last year, but he's going to be a very solid player for them. Yeah, I talked a lot about J.D. Davidson from Alabama uh, earlier on in this program. I think he's getting a, a little less attention than some of the other freshmen and new coach who in this conference, uh, but I really like what J.D. Davidson brings to this Alabama team. Uh, probably not be the point guard. That might be exactly where, where uh, he wants to be. Someone that can you know, score the points and can make the highlight reel uh, with, with some dunks every once in a while. I, I like what he, what he offers, and I think that I would not be shocked if he works his way slowly but surely to be an all-conference player, perhaps even this year. I think he has that sort of talent. Now, he probably will be you know, not in the spotlight as much compared to Quinterly or Shackleford, but, uh, but even, even compared to those guys, just a gr another fantastic option that Alabama has. And I fully expect Davidson to be able to shine, you know, have those different weapons to pass to and make those sort of passes. I think he's be able to really get that job done and really make himself stand out uh, compared to even some of the other freshmen. But not the best newcomer in this conference, uh, for sure. Uh, not, probably not even the best freshman guard. Um, not even close compared to Kennedy Chandler and Ty Ty Washington. Uh, but J.D. Davidson's one I really like. I think he's be able to make himself known in, in Alabama fans' hearts in a hurry. Uh, and then finally, the coach of the year for you, Dom. I'm going to go with Calipari here. You know, it may be cliche given all the talent he's going to have on this team, but after missing the tournament last year for the first time in forever for Kentucky, he's going to lead them back, and they're going to be in contention for the SEC title, and I think that's going to get Calipari this this uh, this award. I'm not sure he's going to be deserving of it, considering the amount of talent he has on this team, especially if he doesn't win the league. But I think that's what's going to happen. And these these writers or the people who choose this award, they're going to say, well, they missed a tournament last year, and they're they're a top three ish seed. I think he should be the coach of the year. And that's, and that's really what, and that's really what it's about at the end of the day. You know, you know, Kyle Apart, you know, the shock of that Kentucky had. 
and he had to change his roster building approach as well to bring in some of these transfers in the first place. I think the change of philosophy is going to serve him and the rest of the Kentucky Wildcats very, very well. And I like what they got going. I think Kyle Price is going to win the award for that reason. The fact that he, you know, had to change up his approach from a freshman-heavy approach to bringing in some transfers to help get with the times. And I think he's done a very good job of that. And ultimately, it's going to end up earning him that award as time goes on this year. So those are our shining diamonds. For the next four minutes or so, some of the other teams we didn't mention earlier on in this program, one of them being Arbor. Uh, they will be, we will be with that Allen Flanagan for about the first month and a half, two months or so of this year. Uh, but Allen Flanagan projects to be one of the better players in this team when he does come back. A couple of nice uh, transfer guards as well. Uh, Wendell Green from Eastern Kentucky and KD Johnson from Georgia. Yeah, I think Auburn's going to be a surprise team. They definitely improved in the second half of the season last year, and obviously a large part of that was because Sharif Cooper enrolled early instead of playing on this team. And if Sharif Cooper was on this team, man, oh, man, they could have been very special. Yeah. But uh, he's in the NBA now. Hard to blame him. He got drafted by the Hawks. He looked really good in the preseason. NBA starts uh, this upcoming week in case any of you basketball fans care about that. I don't. I'm all college basketball, and I think you're mostly that way, too, because yeah, it's the superior, more entertaining basketball. Yes, uh, it is. Please believe the bonanza when we say that. Please believe us. Uh, anyways, I, I'm i a big believer in this Auburn team, actually. I think they're going to be very good. Alan Flanagan is their leading scorer that's returning. He averaged 14 points per game along with five and a half rebounds per game. Six foot six. He can play the three. He can play the four. He can play the two. A really talented player there. Jabari Smith, really good incoming freshman. And their pride transfer, Walker Kessler from North Carolina. Now, big question mark for him coming in. Is he is the hype real around him? Because playing at UNC last year, just a ton of big men. He didn't play a ton, and he didn't score a ton. Four and a half points per game, three rebounds per game. But he showed later on in the year that he could start to be a better player. Ended up transferring. Auburn won him. I think he's going to be a very, very interesting player. And I think Auburn's going to go as far as Walker Kessler can go because he's going to be one of the best big men in the SEC. And if this hype is real, Walker Kessler could be a player that puts up 15 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, absolutely dominates down low. Not a ton of like great big men in this conference. We already talked about Colin Castleton. But if Walker Kessler can be that guy to go along with other transfers, Wendell Green from Eastern Kentucky, he averaged 16 points per game. Katie Johnson at Georgia averaged 13.5 points per game. And Zepp Jasper at Charleston averaged 15.5 points per game. Auburn can be very good. Yeah, it really does come down to whether some of these players live up to their potential. Uh, like you said, uh, with Walker Kessler from North Carolina, a name that a lot of people will know. Um, and, and also some of these other mid-major transfers, are they going to pan out? Uh, it does appear that Wendell Green's going to you know, be able to do some of that as he was almost straight away one of the best guards in the entire Ohio Valley Conference. Uh, so it, it'll definitely be very interesting. When Alan Flanagan comes back, this team's going to be so much better. Uh, yeah. And I, I just hope that for Arbor's sake that he's back in time for SEC play uh, because whatever happens in the non-conference you know, with, with that Alan Flanagan – you know, I, I think that Auburn will be just that much better when we first see Auburn. So that'll be very interesting to see over the course of time what ends up happening with him when he comes back. It's going to be oh so critical for, for Auburn to try and get him back as soon as they possibly can. 
Uh, he had an Achilles injury, and as of early September, was going to miss 12 to 14 weeks. So now in mid-October, we've probably cut that in half here. So probably will miss about, say, eight, nine games perhaps. So very intriguing to see what ends up happening with him. Now to the business end of our program, our preseason forecast. It is our top five teams in the SEC. Number five for you, Dom. It's going to be Auburn. Uh, I told you pre-show, I wanted to make sure we talked about Auburn when we were discussing the show, just because I think Auburn's going to be good. This team is going to go as far as Walker Kessler takes them. They've got a couple of transfers that I just outlined. Katie Johnson from Georgia, Wendell Green from Eastern Kentucky. You know, we're working these teams in terms of where they're going to stand in conference play. And like you mentioned, Alan Flanagan's going to come back around the beginning of conference play, whether his recovery goes well and he returns early whether it's delayed a little bit and they're wanting to make sure he goes 100% and he misses a couple of weeks. Flanagan's going to be big, and I think Auburn finishes in fifth place. Yeah, and for me, it was just super tough between Auburn and Florida, and ultimately I couldn't decide between uh, the two teams. Uh, what, what you have here, I think, in both of these teams are players that can make a very good impact uh, in this SEC with Castleton for Florida, Kessler for, for Auburn, the guards, you have Green for, for Auburn, Appleby for Florida. You have your two, three, and four spots occupied by very solid players. In the case of Auburn, when Flagon comes back, very solid. When If he gets to 100% and plays up to his 100% level, I think that's the other thing here we're missing. If not for the injury to Flanagan, I think Auburn would be sort of an outright spot. But as it is right now... Couldn't quite decide for myself there what I wanted to do with that. Very tough there. And like we said with the analytics before earlier, one through five really is really through a blanket. You could just throw a blanket on within the rankings of the analytics side. So we'll put that there. Your number four. My number four is I'm going to disagree with Ken Palm. I'm going to have Tennessee at number four. Uh, and, you know, like you said, this top four, top five of the conference is going to be good. Uh, Tennessee, I think they're a good team especially on the defensive end. I'm not buying the offense, though. Kennedy Chandler could be the reason that I get proven wrong here, but uh, Tennessee, they definitely struggled offensively last year. I don't see that big of a reason that they're going to improve like significantly offensively for them to be at the top of this conference, but I think they'll be right behind it, right at four. For me, it's going to be Arkansas at the number four position. There are some solid transfers here that they have. Um, obviously, whether Chris likes is going to sustain a healthy year, that's going to be yet to be determined, I guess, there. But uh, Devontae Davis, he's going to have a fantastic sophomore year. Jalen Williams, we have to produce in a very good bunch. Uh, average less than four points per game, less than five rebounds per game last year. That's going to almost certainly go up. They have a great six-man in J.D. Note. It'll be interesting to see what the transfers end up doing. I think that's going to determine the trajectory of this Arkansas team. Uh, but for as of right now, I think number four is probably going to end up being a pretty solid spot uh, for this Arkansas team. Number three. Number three, Arkansas. Uh, I like this team. I was really high on them last year. Once we got to the end of the year, I did pick them correctly to go to the Elite Eight. And you know what? I They're not returning a ton of the players from last year's team. We already talked about it. Devontae Davis and J.D. Note are the two big returning players. But bringing in these big transfers... Chris Likes from Miami, who I just talked about in our Bonanza rank. Uh, Adis Tony, or it was in our Shining Diamonds, excuse me. Adis Tony from Pitt. Stanley Omede from South Dakota. And Kamani Johnson from Little Rock. Those are all guys that averaged double-digit points last year at other schools. They're going to come in. 
They're going to be productive for Arkansas. Eric Musselman, he's done a great job with transfers, getting them to mesh well, and I'd expect that to continue this year. I like the roster build of Alabama. I've got them here in the third spot. you got great guards. We have J.D. Davidson, Javon <coughs> Quinterly, Jane Shackelford. The two experience of those three will probably end up being competing with each other for the SEC Player of the Year honors. Uh, and then you have guys like Noah Gurley who come in off the bench and do a very solid number. Uh, Keon Ellis as well, the senior, will probably be in that boat as well. Juwan Gary will be an interesting point to see if where Alabama sort of goes in with them. Are they going to stick with him over the course of time? Is he going to not perform much of his potential? And for Gurley, Ellis get more minutes. We'll have to see where time goes with that. Uh, but Alabama is going to be a very solid team. Fully expect them to try and have another go at a very solid NCAA tournament run. Number two. Number two, it's going to be Big Blue, uh, the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, a lot of people are going to pick them for number one. I don't think they're quite there yet, uh, but they're going to be a really good team. Like you mentioned, Keon Brooks, Davion Mintz, those are the two guys returning. It's hard to believe. First leading scorer returning since 06-07. I could not believe that when you told me that earlier in the show. But Severe Wheeler from Georgia, Ty Ty Washington, incoming freshman, Kellen Grady from Davidson, and Oscar Shibwe from West Virginia along with C.J. Frederick. They're going to make a very good core of players here at Kentucky. I'm just not quite sure Calipari can get them all to mesh well enough consistently, especially on the road, for them to be the top team in this conference. I wouldn't be shocked if they are, but that's not my prediction. Tennessee, for me, at the second spot. What Kennedy Chandler is going to bring this team as a freshman is going to be SEC level and then some, I think. And you have some of these other players, Josh Fulkerson, who's going to play a very crucial role uh, for this team. Um, it'll be tough for him to break into all SEC quality, but wouldn't be shocked if he ended up getting there, uh, quite frankly. Josiah Jordan James, his versatility is going to be very, very strong. Justin Powell coming in from Auburn, very solid sophomore there. So a bunch of very solid pieces for this team. Number one, quickly. It's going to be Alabama. I'm going to roll with the tide again this year after they won the SEC this past year. Very impressive. I like their style of play, playing fast, playing strong defense. I think Alabama repeats as SEC champions. I think Kentucky's got the right roster for the moment. Uh, the, the correct mix of transfers and your returning players and Ty Ty Washington is going to be a fantastic player to watch out for as well. I like what I see from this Kentucky roster build. Enough experience, you know, enough returning players, a little dabble of, of freshness we're used to from Kentucky. It's going to lead to an SEC championship in my book. So that'll be it for this edition of the College Basketball Dance. And next week, the Pac-12 preview, one that perhaps the listener base of the Arizona State students really care about, that our Pac-12 preview, that is coming for you next week. Hopefully we'll be able to work a little magic as well and try to get some people on that perhaps could be a lot more useful for our listener base, the Arizona State students here on Arizona State University student-run radio station. But that'll be it for us here for the Bernanza tonight. Uh, from Dominic, Jerome, Nicholas, Hodel, reminding you that if you missed any other Power Conference preview over the course of the last month or so, make sure to check out an episode on your favorite podcast platform and this one as well. For our podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to us. We will see you on the next episode of the College Basketball Bonanza. For those of you listening here on Blaze Radio, thanks for sticking with us live. And your reward for sticking with us live on Blaze Radio is one shiny moment we do every week.